0: That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash Purple Rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. Outschool.com slash Purple Rocket, code Purple Rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. Previously on Digger, Dylan and the others made their way through Area 51, where they found a film set of the moon landing, scientists working on UFOs, and even a big-headed alien. Eventually, they were able to sneak off base with the help of a delivery man named Steve. But Kai hijacked a truck and was following them through the desert towards the city. As they drove, Dylan and the others heard a news broadcast of the risers breaking through to the surface and waging war. And now for episode 12 The Breakthrough. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents. Digger. Kicking up clouds of dust, two military trucks roared down the desert road towards the city. Kai sat in the passenger seat of the second truck with his crystal sword aimed at the driver as he shouted orders into the communication device on his forearm. That's not good enough, he yelled. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the driver whimpered. I'm going as fast as I can. I'm not talking to you, Kai snapped. Just keep following that truck. He returned to his call with General Cronus. I want a sweep of the entire city. Our fighters are distracted by the attacking jets, sir, Cronus told him. Once the jets are destroyed, we can concentrate on creating a stronghold in the city. But even if we do, sir, we will need the drumrock key if we are to have any bargaining power in this fight. The drumrock will reach the surface any minute now. I will worry about the key, Kai said, glaring at the truck up ahead. It'll be in my hands within the hour. Until then, form a perimeter around the drum rock as it rises. I don't want anything near it until I get there. In the meantime, send me a ship. As soon as I have the key and am picked up, I'll return and engage the drum. I'm sending the beacon now. Kai typed into the keypad on his forearm, and a little light blinked by his wrist. Beacon received, Cronus confirmed on the other end. To our rise, brother. To our rise, Kai muttered, before ending the call with an exaggerated tap. The trembling driver glanced over at him. The drum rock, he said nervously. Is that the name of some band? Am I taking you to a concert or something? Kai stared at him for a long moment and then burst into maniacal laughter. (laughs) A rock concert, yes, yes, yes. You could say that. Miles down the road, in the heart of the city, the ground thumped. Those left scrambling for shelter in the devastated city looked out from their hiding places to see where the sound was coming from. A man in a business suit caked in dust stumbled out into the street and watched as slick, cannon-clad airships hummed overhead. One by one, they hovered to a stop and formed a circle around the city park. The thumping was growing louder and seemed to be coming from within the park. It was as though the city had a pounding heart. Thump! Thump! In an enormous geyser of dirt, rock, and trees, the park erupted as several massive drill ships surfaced. Lamps and benches heaved up out of the ground and were thrown into neighboring buildings. Grass and branches were whirled up in the spinning drills and sent flying. The man fell back and quickly crawled onto the sidewalk, staring up in awe at the ship's churning drill bed noses. As the ships rose higher above the city, noise grew louder. Thump! 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 The ground heaved again, and this time a giant round rock rose above the cratered surface, carried by cords trailing from the drill ships. Molten red and orange light glowed in the cracks of the pounding sphere, its thumping drowning out the screams of the people below. Approaching the city, The truck carrying Dylan and his friends bumped along the road. Steve was struggling to get reception on the radio and kept freaking out every time he looked above the city and saw a cloud of fire and smoke filling the sky. Uh, guys, I'd really love to know what I'm driving into here. You are not being paid to ask questions, Laney said, still assuming her best alien accent. Keep driving or we will be forced to turn you into a fish. Dylan raised his eyebrows at her and mouthed, Fish? Laney just shrugged at him. Steve shriveled in his chair and whimpered to himself, Oh man, that sounds awful. Fish have tiny brains and can't watch TV. He glanced back up at the huge cloud over the city. It'll be okay. It's just a monsoon. "'Full of fire and explosions and spaceships. "'Oh, Mother of Venus, I see spaceships!' "'A few riser airships zipped into view just over the buildings. "'They fired on two Air Force jets before disappearing behind the city. "'Dylan and the others ignored Steve from the back of the truck. "'Mac was busy making a phone call "'while Laney looked over Grebe's wound to get a better idea of how bad it was.' Her dad had taught her some basic first aid, but this cut was way beyond her skills. All she could hope to do was slow the bleeding until they could get him to her dad. Dylan and Morris sat quietly next to each other. Dylan's knees were bouncing anxiously. He kept glancing back and imagining Kai jumping into their truck, sword in hand. His fingers stroked the dagger key on his belt. Would he be able to keep it away from him? "'Could Kai have gotten the drum rock to the surface? "'He must have if he was willing to chase them down like this. "'Clearly the success of his rise must rest with this key, "'otherwise he'd be off fighting with his army in the city.' "'His hands gripped the gem-encrusted handle. "'I've failed,' he thought. "'I'm going to come home from a treasure hunt, empty-handed, "'even though I've been surrounded by nothing but treasure for several days.' was no way Moran Grebe would let him keep the dagger key, even if they were successful at stopping Kai. It was too dangerous. He'd have nothing to bring back to his mom. Oh man, his mom. Dylan's insides squirmed. He'd left her alone when she needed him most. What was he thinking? His throat tightened. He couldn't imagine how worried she must have been looking for him. She'd probably be furious when she saw him. Dylan's thoughts were interrupted by a quiet movement next to him. He turned and saw Mora wiping tears from her pale cheeks. "What's wrong?" he whispered. Mora shook her head and clenched her jaw. "I am a fool," she said quietly. "What are you talking about? Why would you say that?" Mora looked at him with her big, wet, shining blue eyes. Dylan had never seen her so vulnerable, so human. This war, the destruction, all of it, it is all my fault. You know that's not true. Look around you, Dylan. The risers have surfaced thanks to the tunnels I have dug. And now Kai is just moments away from having the key to take over the world. My curiosity will have cost the death of millions. Mora lowered her head and clenched her fists. Tears dripped off her chin. I have failed the light. Mora, Dylan turned her to face him. Your light is what has kept us alive. Your light has kept the dagger out of Kai's hands. I am the one who took it, not you. But if you hadn't... Kai would have already had the dagger key. He would be sticking it into the drumrock as we speak. Your mistake has bought us time. Mine has paved the way for unimaginable pain and suffering. You couldn't have known, Mora. Who knows, maybe you helped encourage Kai to rise too soon. For all we know, we could be winning. I have faith in our world's ability to fight them off. Unless he gets that dagger... Mora said, nodding to the dagger key on Dylan's belt. Right, Dylan said, touching it. The servants of the light were right, Mora scoffed. I was meant to break the barrier and to rise, but it did nothing. It served no greater purpose. My mother would be ashamed. Dylan touched her arm and felt the surge of energy between them. I don't know much about your mom, but if she was half as amazing as you, she would be incredibly proud of you. The servants also said that the light shines brightly upon you, remember? Go with that. Let your light shine for all to see. Mora wiped the tears from her face and gave Dylan a hug. Warm energy enveloped them, and for a second, Dylan could swear that their heartbeats were synchronized. Back in the city, the drum rock thumped and the airships fired their cannons at military jets. They weaved between buildings, firing their cannons with every clear shot they had. Blasts of smoke burst along their sides and cannonballs whizzed through the air. Windows shattered into balls of fire as stray cannons and missiles missed their targets. A Union airship fired a giant molten boomerang that arched around a building before slicing off a jet's wing. Boom. The jet dove and became a fireball below. Drill ships churned through buildings, easily drilling through the several layers of glass and steel. Debris rained down on the streets. Balloon airships floated high and fired a barrage of cannonballs at buildings, bringing many of them crashing down. An Air Force fighter jet came around a building and locked onto one of the ship's balloons. With the press of a button, a missile dropped from the jet's underbelly and whistled off in a stream of smoke. Boom, pop, boom, pop. The missile cut through two airship balloons before exploding, sending the liftless airship spiraling to the ground. Two more fighter jets made for the drum rock that sat suspended over the city, thumping so loudly the pilots could feel the vibration in their seats. They locked onto their target and fired. Boom, boom! Before their missiles could launch, massive molten boomerangs cut across their cockpits. Down below, tanks rolled over rubble in the streets and aimed up at the airships. The boom! The boom! The boom! A molten boomerang streaked across the street and sliced off one of the tanks cannons, rendering it useless. Riser soldiers dressed in yellow armor charged through the streets, throwing their molten boomerangs and firing their crystal rifles. Military troops on the ground took cover and returned fire. Miles away, the truck carrying Dylan and his friends was just reaching the suburbs of the city, and trailing not far behind was Kai's truck. Mac hung up Steve's phone and handed it back to him. Who was that? Laney asked him. "'That was Paul Gibbons from the CIA,' Mac said simply. "'The CIA?' Dylan repeated. "'You know the number of the CIA?' "'Uh, doy.' (laughs) "'Dylan waited for an explanation, so Mac gave it to him. "'So there was this big government contract. "'The Pentagon was full of a bunch of stingy know-it-alls. "'They tried to stiff me, and it got messy, yada, yada, yada. "'Anyway, it's a long story.' But I talked to my guy, and apparently they already know about Under Earth. What? How? Laney said. I guess a search and rescue team came down the hole we dug and found it. They saw the ship, getting ready to writhe, so they had a little time to prepare, but not a lot. I tried to give him an idea of the under earth weapons they'd be facing, and he seemed appreciative. There was a long pause. And then what? Dylan coaxed. You talked about your favorite colors or something? (laughs) Oh, yeah, um, no, but I did let him know that the leader of the opposing army is chasing us as we speak. He, of course, didn't believe me and said something about me sending a bunch of chickens to their office. Did you send a bunch of chickens to their office? Lenny inquired. Well, yeah, but that's old news. Water under the bridge. He thought I was full of it, laughed, and then hung up. I tried to tell them to send heavily armed authorities to my address, but to be honest, it'll be a miracle if they send so much as a school cop. Dylan sighed. Well, it was worth a shot. I guess our only hope is to hide out with that dagger as long as we can until our military can make their move. You don't sound very reassuring, Laney said. Mac raised an eyebrow at her. My bunker was specifically designed to withstand large explosions and gunfire, Laney. not crystal weapons and molten boomerangs. I haven't the faintest idea if it will actually protect us from Kai and his goons. We must try, Greep said. If the bunker is breached, I will hold them off while you all escape. No, father, we are staying together, Mora said firmly. Greep held her hand. Daughter, I do not know if I will make it much longer anyway. At least this way I can give my rise purpose. It may not come to that, Max said, rubbing his chin in deep thought. There may be another way. Hey, um, aliens, I think we're here, Steve called back to them. The kids squeezed in front of the little window to get a look at the entry gate coming into view. The metal gate was tall and had a big M welded into it. The truck came to a stop at the code box. The code 334567859322 and then hold pound for a few seconds, Mac instructed. Steve reached out the window and started punching numbers into the code box. Six seven eight. What? 678-59322, 678 22 two, then hold pound for a few seconds, Mac repeated irritably. Jeesh, Mac. I think your code could use a couple hundred more digits, Laney said sarcastically. I'm a programmer, Laney. Strong codes are what separate my kind from you simple people. Steve's finger let go of the pound button and the code box beeped and the gate swung open and we're in steve said punching the air in celebration he steered the truck down the long driveway and the gate closed behind them is that your house Laney said peeking out the window it looks like an airport terminal that is a very large structure mora agreed Mac's house was a series of giant, wide-windowed cubes clumped together that took up half a block. City planners had been trying to get him to turn it into a mall for years. Guys, don't judge me, Mac said, not bothering to look. I need my faith, okay? Laney, tell Steve to park the truck around back, Dylan said. Laney cleared her throat and dramatically relayed the information to Steve, who steered the truck around the enormous home. Back at the gate, Kai's truck screeched to a stop. Ram through it, Kai ordered. Really? But I need more speed, the driver cried. Then back up and get more speed. Oh, never mind. Kai kicked the passenger door open and jumped out. Stay right where you are, he told the man. Up ahead, the other truck skidded to a stop and the kids, Greeb and Steve, all hopped out. Dylan's heart pounded when he saw his mother's beater car parked outside the bunker. Good, Max said. It looks like everybody's here. He looked back down the long driveway and saw Kai jumping out of his truck by the gate. We gotta hurry, Max said. Come on, people! He led them to the bunker and typed in the code to open the hatch door. Moore and Dylan helped grieve through the opening, followed by Steve, who was becoming increasingly confused with his role in all this. ''Uh, uh, uh, um, is this your guys' spaceship or something?'' he asked. ''Maybe I can just get my reward and get going.'' Laney pulled him in and shut the door. ''Laney!'' a voice called from inside the bunker. Laney turned and saw her parents, who were the most normal-looking people Dylan had ever seen. Both ran up and hugged their daughter. ''What is going on, Macintosh?'' "'Mac's parents asked, running up to him with Mac's little sister. "'Just sit back, everybody. "'We'll explain in a minute,' Mac announced. "'Dylan's heart stopped when he saw his mom jump up from the couch. "'Dylan!' "'She ran up and threw her arms around him. "'Mom!' "'Dylan was overcome with emotion. "'I'm sorry. "'I'm so sorry.' "'You're okay!' his mom cried. "'Look at you. "'Oh, Dylan, I'm so grateful.' I messed up, Mom. I messed up. It's okay, honey. You're safe. I tried to find his treasure and I didn't bring any back. Shh, Dill, stop it. Stop. Stop. Look at me. Dylan reluctantly looked at her. You, you are my treasure. You're all I need, okay? Oh, I'm so glad you're okay. She hugged him again. Mora watched them from a few feet away. Dylan finally noticed her. Oh, Mom, this is Mora and her dad, Greeb. He said, pointing to them. Hi. Dylan's mom gave them a friendly wave. Her face flushed from all the emotion. Him. And I'm Steve. I come in peace. Steve interjected. The parents gave Steve a strange look. Greeb groaned. Is this him? Laney's dad said, nodding to Greeb. That's him, Laney confirmed. Her dad took out his medical supplies and pulled back the bandage around Grebe's legs, looking over the wound. Mora knelt down next to her father who was wincing in pain. Will he be okay? She asked, watching Laney's father tend to the wound. Laney's dad nodded. He'll be okay. Nearby, Mac was peering through his periscope. Oh no, he said. He watched as Kai cut the hinges off the gate with his crystal sword and jump back into the truck. This isn't gonna work, he whispered to himself. He's gonna get through. The others stopped to look at him. What? Laney said. He's gonna get through. This door isn't going to keep him out. His sword will cut right through it. Mac pulled the big blue crystal from his pocket. Here he handed it to Dylan. Take this to the barn. You'll know what to do with it. It might freak you out a little, but don't worry, it's totally safe, and I've got a tracker on it. "'What are you talking about?' Dylan said, pushing it back at him. "'Are you crazy? This is the crystal for your supercomputer.' "'Exactly!' Max said, pushing it back into Dylan's hands. "'It's the only way to get the dagger far enough away from Kai. "'But you have to go! Now!' "'Well, watch over your mom, Dale, I promise. Go!' confused dylan climbed back out the hatch behind him Mora handed dylan's mom her big yellow crystal this is for you she said simply what what is this i i can't dylan's mom tried to refuse but Mora was already climbing back up the ladder she climbed up out of the hatch and stood next to dylan dylan was frozen watching kai's truck speeding down the driveway towards them Mora, get back in the bunker. I am not leaving you. I'll be fine, go. We are staying together. Mora held up the little glowing crystal on her necklace. The light wills it. Up ahead, Kai was staring out of the truck's windshield at them and caught the sun's light glinting off the dagger key hanging from Dylan's belt. He grinned. Mora glanced between Dylan and the approaching truck. She sensed the panic in him. His energy was pulsing and unstable. Separating herself from the emotions around her, she closed her eyes and took deep breaths. The crystal on her necklace glowed brighter. The tip of her spear glowed with it. Dylan looked at it, his scared expression illuminated by its light. Then, taking two leaping steps, Mora pulled back her spear and launched it. Dylan watched it soar through the air. From the truck's cabin, Kai watched its glowing tip flying towards him. Watch! His eyes widened as he recognized what it was. Turn! Turn! He yelled. He tried to grab the wheel, but it was too late. Morris Spear plunged into the truck's front tire, blowing it to pieces. The truck swerved, losing control. With a hard jerk, it skidded sideways and tipped over. It slid across the driveway before coming to a stop. Smoke billowed up from the hood and shattered glass covered the ground. Come on, Mora said, pulling on Dylan's shirt. For a moment, he stared at the wreckage, stunned. Finally, he peeled his eyes away and ran with Mora towards the barn. Kai stumbled out of the wrecked truck, his hair no longer in a ponytail, but rather sticking to his sweaty face. He panted furiously. Then, grabbing his sword off the ground, he limped after them. Dylan and Mora ran into the huge barn and skidded to a stop. In front of them was something huge covered in a sheet. Dylan grabbed onto the sheet and tugged. As it fell away, they both gasped. They stared up at a beautiful silver rocket. Long curved fins stretched out around the engine, its sharp point aimed up at the barn roof like a giant throwing dart and along its side were the words U.S.S. Macintosh. Whoa, Dylan said. We can get in from there, Mora pointed to a ladder leading up to a circular door by one of the fins. They ran to it and started to climb, but as soon as they had grabbed on, the ladder started sliding up on its own. The circular door opened, and the ladder continued lifting them up into the belly of the rocket. The inside was white and surprisingly clean for one of Mac's creations. Dylan could tell his friend had been working on this for years. How had he not known? They slid past portholes that showed them going higher and higher in the barn, until finally the automatic ladder stopped and they found themselves in a cozy little cockpit furnished with three chairs. A window wrapped around them, giving them a 360-degree view of the outside. Dylan looked around in a panic. There's got to be something. He saw a blue tank in the control panel. A blue beacon blinked above it. Dylan took out Max blue crystal, opened the tank's clear door, and placed the crystal inside. Once it was in place and the door was shut, the little blue light blinked next to the tank. Dylan hesitated and then pressed it. A bolt of electricity surged through the crystal and the cockpit hummed to life. Buttons blinked across the control panel. The room shook. Welcome, Macintosh, said a pleasant voice over a speaker. Are we ready for takeoff? Mora and Dylan exchanged a look of surprise before jumping into the seats and strapping in. We're ready, Dylan said once they were secured. The voice continued. Initiating takeoff in five, four... The cockpit rumbled. Steam filled the barn. Three... Kai limped closer and closer to the barn. Two... An airship flew over Mac's house and landed next to the crashed truck outside. One... Mac watched the smoking barn through his periscope. He beamed. Here she blows! In an instant, the barn was reduced to a shockwave of wood and fire, blasting in all directions as the rocket came shattering out of the roof. The hot blast blew Kai back several feet. Moore and Dylan lurched back in their chairs as the rocket soared into the sky. Woohoo! Mac cheered from inside the bunker. Kai got to his knees and watched in horror as the rocket's flame rose higher and higher, leaving a thick trail of smoke from the barn. No! He screamed. Dylan and Mora anxiously gripped their armrests as their seats vibrated, their hearts pounding with a mixture of fear and excitement. Miles below, in the darkness of Under Earth, Ungra and the Lower Ones emerged from their holes and beheld the abandoned city of Ryan. Letting out a thunderous cheer, they stormed the city and celebrated. Some smashed locks off the cages of the imprisoned Tilis and Ryanites. Bonfires roared beneath the crystal buildings, and the lower ones danced around them. Up in the rocket, Dylan was overcome with emotion. He was scared. He was confused. He was excited. Where was the rocket taking them? How had Mac built this thing? Would he ever see his mom again? His stomach swirled. Images of home and their time in Under Earth flashed through his mind. He already missed his friends. Fear grabbed hold of him and his body seized up. Mora took his hand and squeezed it. They looked at each other, tears filling their eyes. Mora's energy poured into Dylan, and with it came a surprising sense of peace and love. Dylan let out a long breath when he felt it. Mora's necklace glowed against her chest, the warm yellow light filled the cockpit. Mora smiled. Down below, jets from militaries around the world joined forces with the United States to overwhelm the Riser's airships. Riser soldiers surrendered in the streets. Enemy airships were forced to land or were destroyed. The drumrock was captured. Helicopters hovered over Max's property as military trucks sped across the lawn and surrounded the airship and Kai, who still sat kneeling by the shattered barn. He cried out in despair as he watched the yellow light beaming from the tip of the rocket ascend higher into the clouds. People in the city stopped to watch the yellow glowing rocket soar through the sky like a candle of hope. Dylan watched the clouds blur by the rocket's windows. He felt the rocket slow felt like it was struggling against something. Were the engines dying? It was like there was something pulling against their ascent. And yet higher they flew. Higher and higher and higher, higher and higher. Outside the window, the sky gradually changed from light blue to purple. And then, the rocket broke through. Tiny shimmering particles flew up into the window's view and the engines cut out. Twinkling, glitter-like particles filled the 360-degree window. Its reflecting light shimmered across Mora and Dylan's faces. Dylan felt his stomach do a somersault as his body slowly lifted off his seat. He and Mora unclipped their seatbelts and gently floated up from their chairs. Still holding hands, they glided up to the window and looked out. The shimmering particles gradually fell from view. Their eyes widened. They looked out into a new world, a surreal landscape of blue, purple, and green, mountains that appeared to be made of swirling smoke, a gray ceiling, a transparent ground that looked down at the world below, a sprawling satellite view of Earth with faint spots of fire and smoke, Images of clouds passed through the thick glass floor, and a giant ball of light slowly glided underneath it. A sun. It was. Dylan swallowed. Another layer. Tall, gray beings materialized outside the window, their heads large and round, their limbs thin and long. A group of them slowly made their way towards the rocket, Their expressions looked kind and welcoming. Dylan recognized them immediately. They looked just like the alien they saw in Area 51. Dylan looked at Mora and then back out at the new lair. Slowly shaking his head, he whispered, Juicy. Okay, Rocketeers, I hope you enjoyed that series finale of Digger. Your mind is probably spinning right now, okay? Did you see that coming? I'm really curious. Let me know if you predicted that ending. And before you write me a bunch of stuff, maybe you should listen to this episode a couple times, and then you can come to me with questions if you want but I hope you guys liked it. I have actually imagined this ending from the very beginning and I was kind of excited to get to it. So see if you can draw some parallels with the beginning of the story. I'm going to take a second to shout out a very special patron from Marietta, Georgia, Daniel. Thank you so much, dude, for your support, for listening to the show. You're awesome rocketeers check it out patreon.com look for the purple rocket podcast give us your support ad free episodes some bonus stories it's really cool check it out and please rocketeers tell your friends and family about the stories of the purple rocket share it on facebook leave a review on apple Podcasts. that always helps people discover the show spread the word any any review is much appreciated I want to take a quick second to thank my mom, Roxanne Webb, as always, for being my copy editor, going through there, finding my messy sentences, finding potholes, etc. Mom, you're awesome. And Rocketeers, you're amazing. As always, thank you so much for listening to the show. We got a lot more coming your way from the Purple Rocket new series, so stay tuned. This is your host, Greg Webb.